Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. You're about to go on a journey of empathy, understanding and transformation. Get ready to dive into the heart of humanity's most pressing questions with me, Rebecca Hemmings, the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy and guests. It's time to turn up the volume on kindness and to amplify the voices of minorities that often go unheard. This podcast asks questions like, how can we create workplaces where ethnic minorities thrive without the chains of career stagnation? What if universities were safe havens for all, free from the storm of microaggressions? And how can we bridge the gaps between cultures that have been divided by the walls of bias and ignorance? This is not just a podcast. This is a revolution of empathy. Welcome to Compassionate Cultures, the podcast. Get ready to explore, learn and change the world one compassionate conversation at a time. So welcome back to the uh, Compassionate Cultures podcast, formerly known as the Coffee and Anti-Racism podcast. If you want to know why it's changed, then go back and listen to another episode. I am Rebecca Hemmings. I'm the CEO of Strawberry Words Training Consultancy, and I have a guest today. I am speaking to Dr. Yao Poon, and before I bring him in, I'm just going to tell you just some of the um, roles that he holds, and he's held and holds many. So currently, he is the chair of the COG group, which is also known as the Campaign Against Racism group. He and 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 I'm sure if I get any of these wrong, Yao, you're going to tell me. Okay, he's also the Emeritus President of the England-China Business Forum, and he's the Honorary Chair of the Chinese Community Centre in Birmingham. Welcome, Yao. Was that okay? (laughs) Is that correct? Yes. Okay, good. That's a great start. Precise and correct. Yes, brilliant. So, um, you know, Yao and I have um, worked together in the past and I've always loved the way that you've you've worked because um, I find that you are very you're very much a strategic person you know um, uh, what it is you want to achieve and, and also the ways in which you can get there so you know given that we're now talking about racism I think you're um, a great person to, to gain some insight from, given all your different roles and given the way that you think. Um, and so um, let's start start by me asking you, why did you feel it was important to play a leadership role um, for the Chinese community in Birmingham? Why? Um, it's not an easy question to answer. Mm. Um, because when I first arrived in Birmingham in 1990, I wasn't planning to uh, to uh, to be involved with the uh, Chinese community. Mm. Uh, but then, about two years later, somebody approached me because the uh, the uh, the founder and chair of the uh, Chinese Community Center in Birmingham is is uh, returning to Hong Kong, mm. and they desperately need a new chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I was working in the Birmingham City Council at the time, mm-hmm. uh, this person felt that uh, uh, I have the uh, the network to 
to actually help the community center to grow. Right. Because at that time, the community center was actually in a state of decline. Right. And uh, there were only about one and a half staff left and the money was running out. Okay. So, so I agreed to help. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, the first thing I did was to say to them, close the center for six months, focus on, uh, on uh, fundraising. Mm -hmm. uh, and after that, getting the money. And because you remember at that time, also the grant funding uh, scene was changing. Mm. Uh, the government was cutting down on, on grant funding of, of uh, voluntary organizations. Right. And it became more competitive. You have to mm. compete for, for grants. Mm -hmm. And so I focused on, on strengthening the, the management infrastructure of right. the center right. uh, to become more business-like. Mm -hmm. And not to get involved with local Chinese community politics. Okay. Because that is just that is just time consuming and draining. Okay. That we focus that we focus on providing services mm -hmm. and make sure that we have the quality management systems to win contracts. Did you have any pushback on that? Because obviously, you know, being the Chinese community center, the I can imagine, I'm just, and I'm just comparing this to what happens sometimes in African-Caribbean community environments, that there's very much a need to want to kind of stick to the ground and work with the people and not formalize too much because it might take away from some of the, uh, the grassroots work that was done initially. Did you get pushback? There, there, there was some pushback from other groups that gradually mm. lost funding. Right. And uh, and they had to close down. Okay. And and they became more like social groups, you know, organizing dinners and okay. stuff like that. But but my strategic vision for the center was services. Okay. Uh, okay. Elderly elderly services, care services, health services. Right. And for that, we need to have the systems to be able yes. to win those contracts. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. And, and so that was like. Go ahead. And we were. Myself, the board, and the, and the CEO and the staff, we will not, we do not want to play local politics with the other community leaders. Right. They can they can have the glory of uh, of uh, you know big celebratory events and festivals yes. and so yeah. On. Yes. yeah yeah yeah. And and we do we do take part. We join in. Yes. It's just that I never asked to be part of that leadership group. And you find yourself in it. But I, th I think that happens to, to a lot of leaders that they don't necessarily start thinking that's what they're going to do. But yeah, you clearly have the 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 skills and you, you mentioned. So I should say, because I think it might come up, we started to record this podcast um, last week. And, you know, for various reasons, we weren't able to continue many yeah, Internet stuff. Um, but last week when we spoke, you were talking about, you know, you had a a particular role within the council and and you say it's that role that enabled you to well that that was the reason you were called upon to do the work so can you can you at the Chinese community center so can you talk a bit more about that role so we get more of your background um somehow I uh, when I when I interviewed for a job at the uh, Birmingham City Council mm -hmm. I was then an academic in uh, a lecturer in Liverpool and uh, it was a job, it was a post for a uh, internal consultancy unit. Can I just ask you, so you said you were a lecturer. What did you lecture in? Uh, building science. Okay. So I had, I actually had no background in management. Wow. 
from an academic perspective. Yeah. My background is engineering and science. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, I saw this uh, uh, this uh, advertisement for Birmingham City Council, and they wanted to set up an internal consultancy unit because at that time, Thatcher was just introducing competitive tendering. Right. Where public services have to compete for their jobs. Yes. Um, and somehow I convinced the, uh, the, the, the interviewing panel I was good enough to be appointed at the top of the principal officer wow. grade. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, which was PO8. Um, and then above that, you're on contracts for deputy director and director already. Wow. So really? PO8 was, a, was the top of the year. Uh, and, uh, and what I found was that uh, when, when I started working in the council, uh, most people I met were surprised that I was mm. the principal officer aide, mm, mm. and uh, and some of them some of them were a little bit shocked as well. They expect me to be of a of a maybe a PO five or right. six. Most right, because right. most most of the non-white uh, um, uh, staff were around mm. the PO five, PO six. Okay, okay, okay. At that time, at that okay, time. got you. And and did that bother you? You know, did it bother you knowing that? You know, you regularly came across these microaggressions that people had lower expectations of you, or just didn't think you could be in that position. No, uh, because I played, I played, uh, I played back at them. Uh, <laughs> in a sense that, in a sense that, uh, I, in a sense that, I surprised them by uh, by uh, being smarter than they are, mm. or or when I speak, I have better ideas than they have. Or That's... my or, or or that my presentation was more cohesive, more more together. So you were obviously very confident in your skill sets to not even be bothered by the lower expectations or the attitudes mm -hmm. that people might. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that because you know one, you know, there's a question we're often asked is well, how do you how do you deal with daily microaggressions? And I, I do think the way that you view them, your your point of reference, or, or yeah, the way you frame how it happens and your position within that situation that ma matters um, significantly so. Um, so that's really, really interesting. Okay, just a, a question. So in training, when we're delivering training, um, we, whether it's with students or whether it's it's with prof professionals, mm. what we find quite often is that um, whenever we come across uh, many Chinese students, um, they haven't identified as being ethnic minorities. Um, and I've I didn't I didn't understand this at first. So, for instance, I'd say you know if you identify as an ethnic minority, you know please sit on this table for this particular exercise, or you know if you identify as an ethnic minority, put your hand up that type of thing, and Time and time again, I'd find that Chinese people wouldn't do, wouldn't identify as such. So I asked my friend who is of Chinese origin, and she said uh, it's mainly because um, most Chinese people are the majority where they come from, and therefore they come over here and don't think um, they form a part of the minority. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, it, it's only the British, it's only the British-born Chinese that would think themselves as an ethnic minority. Mm. Because they grew up in the system here, and they would have been they would have been harassed racially, yeah, uh, often in schools when they were growing up. Yeah. So they would think themselves an ethnic minority. People that come from mainland China, from Hong Kong, they come from a homogeneous society. Mm. So they have they have no awareness of 
of, of racial differences. Yeah, and so then, interesting. Go ahead, go ahead. And then people like me who come from Malaysia, mm. we are a multiracial country, so we mm. are used to it. Yes, yeah. That's so interesting because I just wonder how do you have that conversation, you know, because obviously when we're talking about ethnic minorities, certainly in, the, in a training context, we're talking about some of the difficulties, the discrimination they face, and you know, nobody wants to face that. Nobody wants to think that they're in that category, but if you are, mm. unfortunately, you are. And so, you know, what what is your, what are your thoughts around um, saying to someone actually, well, under the government definition of an ethnic minority, as a Chinese person or a, a, a you know you've got a name hold on Chinese East or South Asian person yeah. um, mm. you know you are classed as, as a minority because I feel like having that I don't know if I, I would be the right person to say that because I feel like in a way it's kind of bursting somebody's bubble what do you think it, de it, it depends on who you're talking to mm. uh, if you're talking with students uh, it will make no sense to them because they are here for three four years five years and then they and then they return mm. back to China or, or, or wherever. Mm. So, so for them, it is not an issue at all. Mm. If you're talking to British-born Chinese, then it's mm. very real for them. Yes. If you're talking to people like me who are from Malaysia or Singapore, mm. we are so, our self-identity is so strong that we accept that we, accept that we are labeled for mm. census purpose. Mm. As a, as a, as a, I, I can't remember now what, what is the number they gave us uh, for, for Chinese uh, East and South Asian. There's I a don't category. Have to head. Yeah. yeah, okay. There's a number. Mm -hmm. So for census purpose, we would tick that box. Mm -hmm. and, when we, and when you apply for staff, you also tick, tick boxes, right? Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, it, it, but emotionally, it, bothers, it doesn't bother us that much. Hmm. I, I suppose I just have in mind a particular person I had a conversation with who was a professional. I don't know whether she was, oh, I just said she, but you can't identify her. And mm. <laughs> um, she, uh, I felt as though she was born in China and, but has been here for a long time and, and is due to stay here. Mm. Um, she found it very difficult to relate to some of the problems ethnic minorities face and was very adamant she you know she spoke about spoke about those people those ethnic minorities so I just wonder in that sort of situation um would it be I suppose I can yeah it's it's always useful to say look this is what how the government defines um you know Chinese oh, people yeah. yeah yeah and that's it that's where the conversation yeah, ends right yeah yeah um it, it would really from person to person uh, mm. um some, sometimes, sometimes some of the Chinese uh, immigrants uh, are very insular. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they do not mix outside their, their, their narrow circle mm. of people. Um, personally, I, I, I try to encourage much more wider integration mm. and, 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 and working with other ethnic groups mm. so, that, so that we do not end up with a, with a Chinese ghetto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you, how do you think that translates to the workplace? Do you think because again, that's what we deal with. We deal with talking about discrimination and anti racism within the workplace. Do you think that people from a Chinese East and South Asian background that they perhaps might be because they're so insular could be either missing opportunities, could be creating a rod for their own backs, could just um, it, it could help to increase that sense of not belonging. 
do you think it, it's a disadvantage to do that in the workplace? Uh, again, again, you, you cannot you cannot have a homogeneous view you know, of this. No, yeah. uh, people from people from mainland China and Hong Kong will be mm. more insular. Mm. Because because of the because because of the society they grew up in. Yes. People from Malaysia and Singapore mm. are very outgoing. Right. Right. And, and we integrate very easily. Yeah. And, yeah. and and we and, and and we would actually engage. Yes. See, even that that's interesting. You know, we're constantly learning. I mean, you know, we can make those um we can make those distinctions within different types of Caribbean culture or you know, mm -hmm. various types of African culture to Caribbean culture or Jamaican to Trinidadian and so on. Yeah. You know, Jamaicans yeah. are so much louder than most yeah. people yes. from different Caribbean islands, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's this is why it's important to have these conversations because unless you do, you don't know. And it's very easy to put people into into these huge mm -hmm. homogeneous boxes um but again i, I understand it's like when, we, when i use the term ethnic minorities like i know that when i use that term again i'm doing the same i'm putting people in the same box but sometimes just when you're wanting to talk about the discrimination that people face for instance it's just useful to have that term um but i, I do wonder if you feel as though um sometimes because there is this these catch-all terms that uh, Chinese people um, are often Chinese, East Asia, East and South Asian people are left out of the conversation. Um, overall, overall, yes, mm. because uh, because until very recently, until very recently. Uh, racism and discrimination is not something that the Chinese community talked much about. Mm. It was only it was only after the COVID uh, pandemic, yeah, yeah, uh, in 2020, yeah. when there was when there was a very high incidence of racism, yeah, and hate crime, yeah, uh, that 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 people woke up, yeah, and 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 professionals like me begin to have uh, uh, and and the younger people, uh, the the the, the Especially the younger British-born Chinese mm. uh, begin to uh, to uh, to uh, have those conversations. At the moment, it's mostly amongst ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are there are there is there is still insufficient attempts to to have conversations with other groups, other ethnic groups. Yeah, that's so interesting. Go ahead, because I'm just thinking. You know, racism is something that I've always had to deal with, and you know, many. Um, you know, black and brown people are used to having in this country anyway, having used to having to deal with racism. Um, so, and and that's hard. Even even when you you know, it's like I think I was I was twenty five when I first had my first racist incident. Is I was working as a supply teacher, and this um, girl had called me a very racist name, and I just remember it feeling like somebody had stabbed me in my chest. It felt it was physically painful. Mm. So I wonder what um you know people from the chinese community who are now facing racism which is also known as xenophobia which is a fear or hatred of chinese people what that is like at this late stage in the game suddenly realizing being in the uk that whoa racism is real for us what has that been like uh, for the younger people for the younger younger mm. chinese uh, mm. uh, people uh, they they don't like it at all. Mm, of course not. Uh, and and they are reacting against it. And some of and, and and some of them have become more 
more activists. Yes. And they and they and they they want to uh, uh, they want to go on protests and uh, yeah and and, uh, and take take more direct actions. Yeah. Although they yeah. don't although although they don't really know how to do it yet. Yeah. They are new. They are yeah. new to these things. Yeah. Um, and then you have your your elderly mm. uh, uh, Chinese people who actually are not who, who mostly who still don't speak English. Yes. And and they would not have any. They would not have a voice in a sense that they they uh, they would have they would have experienced because they would have worked mainly in the catering trade. Mm. They would have experienced day to day racism in the right. restaurants and in the takeaway. Right. But uh, but they don't. They would not. They will not understand words like xenophobia and, and stuff right. like that, right? Uh, because because uh, most of them have, when they came when they when they first came to the UK, they are mostly of quite low education level. Yeah, yeah. So it is it's actually the younger people and the more professional people like myself. Yeah, who are, who, who are beginning to uh, to kind of uh, take an interest and to uh, and to respond to the. Yeah. And I know that obviously people are individuals, you know, you can't tell one group of people to do the same thing and they'll all respond in the same way. But I'm just wondering, within the workplace, knowing that, you know, um, Chinese, and I keep saying it, East and South Asian mm -hmm. people um, often get left out of the conversation or, or, or just get clumped, to, get lost in this term of ethnic minority. What could people be doing to kind of like put the hand up and say like me too like I'm affected by this like how can they have a voice within the workplace is what is what I'm asking. Um, I I think it will naturally happen more and more mm. because because the, the the older generation like myself we are phasing out yeah of the of the uh, of the workplace mm. and the uh, and and as I say the 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 younger the younger people are not quiet anymore yeah. And uh, and if if they feel that they are dis they are discriminated against, they will, yeah, they they, they will fight back, yeah. Um, so so so, my my feeling is that if you encounter uh, uh, Chinese employees that are discriminated against, mm. they will actually want help and support. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As okay. Especially especially anybody under forty. Mm. Yeah, those but those they are those they are in their fifties may want to put their head in the sand and just yeah. say, forget it, keep quiet. Yeah, but the younger ones will, will not. And it's similar because I find um, certainly within Caribbean communities, um, you know, who have been here for a long time, some of the older generations are so. I guess it's it's different. The, the, some people do put their heads in the sand, but for a different reason. They put mm. their head in the sand because they're tired. They've been doing this for mm. talking about it for so long, and they haven't been heard for so long. They're just like, you know what? I'll just be quiet and get on with my job. Whereas the younger ones, again, they're like activists. They're like, no, we're going to make change. Um, and so yeah, it, it it's similar in that way. Um, I, I was just thinking that I was doing some research the other day on schools school exclusions, and I saw that um, you know some of the highest rates of exclusions were for gypsy roma travelers for mixed race children but uh, for caribbean african caribbean children but then when i looked at the the data for chinese children like there was zero exclusions for chinese children and i was just thinking like you know it's for that reason why 
you know, more people need to speak up um, because we're not these homogeneous groups. And unless we have more conversations like this uh, or people are putting, I, and I, what I dislike about what I'm saying, because I'm hearing myself say it, is like, you've got to be that person to make change when really it should be the workplaces that are making the change. But I think it's it's it goes both ways, you know. Um, I think yes, there's a lot more that organisations can be doing to ensure that they're you know they're hearing the voices of those people who are marginalised. But I think equally, um, we on the other side have to in, you know ensure that change is happening. Just keep speaking up um, because if we're quiet um, and we don't have that influence, change won't happen. Uh a major reason why you find that uh, uh, Chinese kids are not excluded mm. in, uh, in the school, uh, as you pointed out, uh, the reason is upbringing. Mm. Um, we are often called the model, the model community, mm -hmm. hardworking, uh, no complaints, mm. uh, just get on with it. And, and most Chinese kids are brought up in a very disciplined way. Mm. Uh, 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 obedience, uh, excel in your schoolwork, excel in your extracurricular activities, mm. learn three or four musical instruments. Mm. Uh, uh, but isn't that also a stereotype? Because not every is, single Chinese. It is, a kind, it is a kind yeah. of stereotype. But, but, it, but because of that discipline upbringing, mm. and, and you know the stereotype of the Chinese uh, tiger, tiger mothers, mm. tiger moms, um, Generally, Chinese kids do very well in schools, mm. and mm. Uh, and uh, and generally they will be pretty well behaved, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and very rarely will get into trouble. Yeah, I was just thinking. What I hear a lot of is that you know from particularly Chinese students that you know I'm expected to be good at maths, and I think to have that pressure put on you, and you might not be, you know, you could be mm. the one of you know a few that's just not that great uh, at it. it. Needs to work a little bit harder. Again, that's a lot of pressure. That's yeah, that's I guess where I'm coming from with that. So it's sometimes a microaggression to say, you know, you're all good at this, and you know we're going to put this pressure on you because we know that you're coming from that sort of background. Yeah. Yeah, I think I. I think part of the um, issue around stereotype is that is that is that there is also a grain of truth in the stereotype. Mm. Uh, the only problem with it is that when it's just applied in a very uncritical yeah. way. You know? yeah. But yeah. behind the stereotype, there, there is a grain of truth. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, it depends what you're talking about. But yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Just before we wrap up, I swear, I've got one more question. What advice would you give to organizations um, who want to start or improve on their anti-racism journey and not miss out the people who, you know, we've already spoken about, the Chinese, East and South Asian people, not miss those groups of people out, but to have them equally um, in, included in any sort of anti-racism policy or plans? Are you talking about uh, new groups or groups that has been around for a long time? Both, because they all are important. So both. Um, maybe maybe I can try to to uh, talk about that uh, around why we set up a, a car yes. against racism group because yes. that will give an idea of 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 our approach. Mm -hmm. The um, when 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 uh, when there was this rise in in uh, in uh, 
incidents against uh, uh, Chinese and, and, and East and South Asian people, uh, quite a few groups have sprung up. Mm. And, and uh, some groups are more activists and some groups are more service providers. They want to mm. provide victim, victim support services. In Kark, uh, partly because uh, the founding members were generally older, <laughs> people like mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. we, we make a decision that we not to compete with the others. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and instead to think about the ecosystem. Mm. Because, because in order to make change, you need to have an ecosystem that attacks the problem from different directions mm. with different focus and different emphasis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so there are people who want to be activists, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Because you need, you need a battering ram. Yes. Times, right? And you, need, and you need people that provide support services. Yes. So we, we decided that, uh, that the niche for us is in the policy making area. Right. That that what we want is to is to make change in the long term by influencing institutions. Yes. And to and to become over to, to, to aim to become more a think tank that can contribute to uh, to uh, taught taught opinion pieces mm. that can influence policy. Right. At the at the uh, at the level of the uh, police. Mm -hmm. the Crown Prosecution Services, mm -hmm. and we also chose education. Right. Yeah, uh, because we, we feel that, uh, just, just like with the Black community, we feel that the, uh, the, 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 the East Association part of the curriculum is totally misrepresented. Yes, yeah. Uh, as well, and, and, and needs uh, changing. Mm -hmm. so, so, that, so, so, so we, we decided to focus on, on that. Mm -hmm. And, and to do that successfully, we need to build up credibility. Yeah. Otherwise, why would the CPS listen to us? Yes. Yeah. Why would the uh, 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 teachers union or, or the uh, department of education listen to us? So, so we have a, a strategy over the next three to five years mm -hmm. of gradually maybe working with working with academics, researchers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and with other groups that are much more longer established. Mm. In the in the racism uh, anti-racism work, to uh, to begin to maybe write papers, publish papers, mm -hmm. and, and gradually build up build up our credibility. Mm -hmm. Ah, I'm instantly I'm thinking you guys need to be connected with the Birmingham Race um, Impact Group if you're not already, you know, because mm -hmm. you're doing similar things. Yeah, and and your 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 question about about. Uh, about the uh, uh, what kind of advice to give to uh, other groups, I think I think the I think the first thing is to be very 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 clear of what your vision is, mm. uh, and and very clear about your strategic steps towards that vision. Yes, one of the things that I had to stop uh, uh, my fellow car colleagues is that they were they were responding to things that they were reacting to incidents as they happen. Right. So, so, uh, so there's something happened. They want to jump onto that yeah. particular issue. Yes. And then something else happened. They want to jump. I said, no, no, no. Mm. We are only, we are only a few of us. Yes. We, we start chasing everything. You get nowhere. Yeah. And get tired so, very quickly. Yeah. 
and you get nowhere. So you got to be clear about what you want to achieve and just focus on that. Yes. Everything else is secondary. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think it could be that some some of our groups, because because racism is such an emotional thing, yes. there's a tendency to react. Yeah. To to things as they happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that is time-consuming. Yeah, I, I love that. I really do. Um, again, it goes back to what you were saying um, about when you first got into the council. It's about how you framed what you were doing. And it's what I was saying about you. You're very strategic. Look, this is where we're going, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I'm speaking to HR managers, directors, CEOs, and so on, you know, that's, that is something to set to, to say it's it is about trying as much as possible to take the emotion out of the conversation you know it, it, it's and that's difficult it's difficult because we all have a socially constructed race and therefore you have your opinion on the things that are happening mm-hmm. but if your work is strategic just like every other strategy or policy you take the emotion out of it and you focus on the task at hand yeah absolutely and- and pass it on. Yeah. So, so for example, when when one of my colleagues wanted to uh, respond to uh, to some individuals that had racist that, that experienced some racist incident, and wanted us to do something about it, I mm. said no. Mm. There are other groups that does these things. Yes. Just post it to them. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's no need for us to get involved. Yeah. At all. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I, can, I think that's really great as well when, when thinking about smaller organisations that are, you know, serious about combating racism. You know, we don't all have to do the same things. Like we're focused on exactly. the education. That's that's all we mm. do. We don't do the activism stuff. You know, that's that's mm. all we do. We don't do the policy stuff. We focus on the education. And and I think that that's it. We're all, you know, this is a big beast. You know, it took mm. a long time to to grow. Um, it's mm. here now, and you know, it's going to take a long time to to destroy that beast and so like you say there's many different ways in which to do that and it's not a competition we're all a part of the same battle yeah yes absolutely yes it's not a competition yes of of yeah we should not compete with each other yeah yeah i i, I want to tell you a story of, of something that happened when i was in in uh, in the birmingham city council mm-hmm. which might which might be interesting for 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 uh, for you in terms of workplace uh, issues. Mm. Uh, there, w- there was a, a time when I had a black person as my subordinate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, she, because I was POA, she, uh, she felt that I, I could be a champion for, for okay. minorities in the right. council. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was that the unit that we were in, uh, uh, myself and her, I was, I was then told by my boss at the time that he wants to close down the unit. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, so, I, so I told my subordinate that, uh, yeah. that uh, our boss is wanting to close down our unit. Mm. And you, bet, you better start thinking about where you want to go, what you want to do. Right. Because within the council, they will, re- they will reallocate you to somewhere right. else. Mm. Somehow, somehow she took offense at that and she felt that I did not fight back enough. Okay, right. Mm. 
uh, and she make a complaint to the uh, to the to HR mm -hmm. that 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 I, uh, I I I that I did not defend her, mm -hmm. uh, 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 in front of the boss. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, you know, I went. You know, I was interviewed, had to face a panel and all that. The, the stuff that you had to go through, and uh, and I was cleared. Um, in, uh, I was cleared of of the uh, of the accusation she made. Mm -hmm. But that, that was quite an interesting experience for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering why, ugh, what, were you, what were you thinking in response to, yeah, it's, it's difficult without having the other side of the story, but I'm just wondering, like, what were your thoughts about her accusation? Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't angry with her or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand mm -hmm. uh, why. And even today, I don't fully understand why, uh, why, why she felt that that way. But the but the issue is that I think it's a it's a it's a differences of I never saw myself as a champion for for minority groups in the council. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So it was a bit of a surprise to me that people see me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know what I would think, and again, it's difficult without knowing the full situation. Mm -hmm. But I think often when you are certainly a black person who's gone through racism all their lives, when you see another ethnic minority person in a position of leadership, you mm -hmm. would hope that mm -hmm. if there's any reason to kind of like, um, you know, champion or support that person, that mm -hmm. the, that person in leadership would do that. Um that's not always the case people are individuals mm. sometimes people just don't care and maybe she felt as though well oh, maybe he just doesn't care and I'm angry about that I I, I don't know I don't mm. know <laughs> but that can that can be the situation mm. is that people feel as though we should be bonded within you know this discrimination that we we face and that that could mm. have been what was going on I think I think you're right you're right I mean her experience of racism would be much 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 more than, than, than mm. I would have and uh, and uh, and part of the bond that she has with me is is that she would have expected me to to uh, defend her. Yeah. More. I I I felt that by by giving her advice to start looking for new jobs within mm. the council, mm. I was doing that. Okay. And obviously, obviously not enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. But at that at that time, I would not have known how to do it either. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it's difficult. I think you know one thing I've learned about racism over the years, which is now makes so much sense when talking to different people who experience racism mm -hmm. on different levels, is that you know it's on a it happens on a continuum. That the the darker you are in society, the worse your treatment on a group level mm -hmm. of racism. And I didn't understand that at first. So when talking to you know a friend who's Indian or whatever, and they're not quite understanding where I'm coming from with regards to experiences like I couldn't quite penetrate like why don't you get it because you get racism like I get racism but no it's not quite at the same level on a group level so it's you know we don't all we're not all brought up having this education even though you know I'm a black person I'm using her 40s I'm still learning we're all still learning there's a lot of conversations that are still yet to be had so it's just about for me it's it's about once you with you know as Maya Angelou said that once you you know better you do better but you know um you know maybe she thinks differently about how that all panned out now so who knows mm. but um yeah 
just the nature of the beast. Just, just an interesting episode in my life. Yeah, That's yeah. Fun. But thank you, thank you so much for sharing because again, it's mm. it's important to have these conversations, and it would be so interesting for you and her, like years later, if you were to have that conversation mm. to kind of unpick what was going on for her. And I think often people do just like you say they have um, the emotion can get so in the way that it makes the conversation difficult and if we can just kind of not you don't have to get rid of it because we're all human but just learn to park it for a little bit to allow the conversation to happen allow ourselves to be vulnerable know that we might get things wrong or you know all of that and then we can have a conversation about it so yeah I want to thank you so much for your time um it, it's been so insightful and i think the biggest thing i'm taking away from this conversation is just how to frame how um you deal with racism and i know that's different for you as somebody who has a chinese background but i think it has a lot of value because whether we like it or not racism exists so that you know that's a conversation we're having a lot now it's like well okay this exists so how do i deal with it um you know, because you can't always be being an activist you can't always be getting angry you know mm. there has to be a way of you dealing with it personally so you know I, I certainly want that to be you know shouted loud from this podcast that you know we can think differently about how we sit in in this um and I think again for organizations we you know for for leaders they can think differently about how they enable policies and procedures um to to grow and develop in terms of anti-racism and anti-discrimination that if again you can just park that emotion or just you know when times get difficult you know maybe put it down for a bit but then come back to it try and keep that emotion out of it so you can keep on track and keep going towards your goal it makes sense it's simple um so yeah thank you for leaving us with those those messages and uh, thank you for joining us on the uh, compassionate cultures podcast thank you very much you're welcome so i just want to issue a very quick uh, apology because um, to Dr. Yao Poon and just a correction really because I referred to him as having a Chinese background in the latter part of this episode when he actually told me he has a Malaysian background so I just wanted to say I'm genuinely sorry for making that mistake and um, yeah trust me I won't be making it again you know I've certainly learned from that mistake and that's what we do in these situations you know when we um, you know, people are afraid of getting things wrong. And there you go, there's a perfect example of me. You know, and I do this work, I got that wrong. So that's what we do, you know, we apologize, you know, and, and we move forward. So just, yeah, not to make a big deal of it, but also just to genuinely say, sorry for making that mistake, uh, Dr. Poon.